Welcome back to Rob Gill's Epic Financial Strategies Podcast. If you like what you're hearing and want to learn how to take action on your financial future, click the link in our bio to speak to us directly. To learn more about how you can achieve financial freedom, subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow Rob Gill all over social media. Financial freedom awaits. Hey, what's up, folks? I hope so far everybody is enjoying their uh, holiday season. Hopefully everybody had a phenomenal Thanksgiving. Um, and we know, you know, presents should be coming soon. Uh, the supply chain um, is definitely handicapped. So my only wish and desire is all the things you want uh, that you do receive them during this this holiday season. And, and you know, Dave, I think for, for you and I, what's been really cool is that you know we've been able to just come back from a um, a trip in Miami where you know one of our ecosystem partner brothers uh, Sean Callagy from Unblinded had a three day event and there was a bunch of doctors and lawyers and and professionals that were in the room and the reason why I'm bringing you know this to all you good folks out here right now is because if you've tracked us over the last year and a half um, our our business has grown massively because. And success does leave clues because we get up, uh, you know, an, an hour earlier, extra each day. Yep. We stay late at night. But most importantly, we've had approach and a congruency with other folks that have really helped our business grow from, you know, we went from eight to about six or 700 new sales meetings a month. And with that, there's always questions that come in. I want to thank you for being on the show today. This thank is you, awesome, Rob. brother. Appreciate it, brother. Uh, everybody, this is David Harder, and he is one of the partners here at Epic Financial Strategies. And, um, you know, I'm going to turn it over to you and just kind of share some thoughts. And if you have any questions, I'd love to be able to kind of go back and forth with you. Yeah, I do. That you have. I do, Rob. Thank you for that. Happy holidays to everybody. Um, one of the driving messages and one of the driving conversation pieces that we were having when we were down in Miami, Rob, was, uh, hey, what's this whole, you know, bank on yourself concept? Right. You know, how does how exactly does that work? I've been doing my research. It seems like everybody's doing research on it these days. Yeah. I don't think that you can necessarily trust everything that's out there. But the question that always comes up in those dialogues, right, is can I use my life insurance as an investment? Yeah. Right? So what's your thoughts about that? Man? Yeah. So so for everybody out there, I do believe and, and please write this down. This is so important in transformational vocabulary and really understanding what words mean. Tony Robbins talks about it all the time. Uh, go check it yourself, but I believe there's like 700,000 words in a dictionary. Um, I believe that 4,000 we use, um, actually 2,000 we use habitually during our lives. Uh, 4,000 are tied to emotions of which 60% are negative. And of those 2,000 words that we use during our life, we maybe use 200 a day. So if you think about it, you have all those words, but you're really using 200. Every word you use has energy and a vibration. So what does that mean to your question? David's asking me very simply, and by the way, David and myself, we are not fiduciaries, but the question he's asking is a very powerful question, and the question is very simply, can you use life insurance as an investment? And let me get clear with the language. So if you were to look at the College of Financial Planning, they're going to say life insurance is not an investment vehicle. Is that a fair statement? That is a fair statement, yeah. yes. Unless it's a variable policy, would they then say it's a... Correct. Okay, so we're not talking about a variable life policy in this conversation. No. We're talking about either an index universal life or we're talking about a cash value whole life insurance plan. Is that correct? That is correct. Okay, yes. so let me just clear the record. It is not an investment. However, it's a mindset. What does that mean? Okay, so 
if we look at all the different products that are out there today, right? If we look at all the different strategies that are out there today, at the end of the day, what's always important to make sure is that you invest within and amongst asset classes. Yes, diversify a portfolio with a fiduciary. And yes, in our opinion, you want to make sure that the fiduciary is on the same page with the with the accountant, with the estate attorney, with the trust officer. And if all that's happening for you in your world, there's a lot of good things happening. But let's get back to the question. The question is, is life insurance an investment? So here we go. If you look at a bank, and, and David just asked about, you know, um, um, can you treat it like a bank or bank-owned life? Correct. You know, right? yeah. So yeah. if you look at a bank, if I had $100,000 in a bank, don't hold me to these exact numbers. Double-check everything I say. But if I had $100,000 and I was earning less than 1% in a CD, the bank is taking my money and they're loaning it out over and over again, right? They don't take financial risk. They take credit risk. That's the bottom line. And at the end of the day, they've created this capitalistic approach over the last 100 or maybe even 200 years. When we look at life insurance and we want to overfund the life insurance policy, yeah. right? Yeah. So you have what they call a baseline premium, right? And then within that baseline premium, there's extra money you could dump in. We'll call that the dumping amount. And when you dump that money in, you have the ability to leverage that money back out for other investment opportunities. Now, in that space, and we're not recommending this, some folks maybe want to use it and put it into crypto. Some folks maybe want to use it and put it into the stock market. We are not recommending that, correct? Correct. Yes. yes. But at the end of the day, this is what some folks do. My experience is the ones that really crush it are the ones that finance their own debt. So you got $100,000 in your cash value. It's earning a guarantee rate of return plus a dividend. Person A likes to leverage that out. They go, um, you know, they want to finance their own cars or they want to finance uh, their own equipment in their office or they want to buy a piece of real estate, right? It's still earning uninterrupted interest inside the policy even when you borrow from yourself and put it over here. And the magic to that is to be able to have a disciplined approach, and none of this happens overnight. I promise you, no matter what investment you do, even if you got lucky during COVID and you shorted one of those stocks that was dodgy or doji coin, <laughs> that's once in a lifetime situation. The point is, if you have a disciplined approach tied to your investment philosophy, I promise you, at the end of the day, with education, with the right team around you, you could then create these strategies that David's asking me about. And no, it's not an investment vehicle, but yes, can it lead to using that as a financial hub for other investment opportunities? Yeah, no. Hopefully that answered your question. It absolutely does. Yeah. And, you know, it spurs another question that I get asked all the time as well is, yeah. okay, let's say that I took a loan against my policy. Yep. I deployed it into a piece of real estate or I made just a specific investment with it, or I just used it for whatever. Yep. What happens if I die? So uh, that's another great question. And when we look at uh, the, the component of a life insurance policy, you obviously have what we call the baseline premium. And then, you know, if there's going to be dumping money there that builds the cash value up sooner so you're not waiting three or four years just to access your money. And let's say, hypothetically speaking, that um, you started a policy and the death benefit was a million dollars, right? And then at some point, um, you've built up 100000 in cash value and you use that for another investment opportunities, which means you take a policy loan. God forbid if you shuffle off this mortal coil, we call that dying. Yep. <laughs> I don't like to use the word dying when it comes to this because whenever I'm talking to a client, I want to make sure that I'm not putting death in their mind as I'm talking about these kind of plans. So we, we've come up with the word mortal coil, and I believe we learned that from Shakespeare. So um, if, if you were to shuffle off this mortal coil after you borrowed $100,000 from your policy and the death benefit was a million, 
what would happen is your heirs or your beneficiaries would get 900,000, the death benefit minus the loan, which would be 900,000. And then you want to be careful there because it's like, yeah, well, we're not getting the full million. I know, but if you borrowed the hundred to buy a half a million dollar piece of real estate, um, you're getting 900,000 plus a half a million dollars worth of real estate. So I think one of the common drivers that we're seeing frequently, Rob, is pairing you know insurance with real estate investing, right? We see that a lot, right? Yep. Just again, with the ecosystems that we're part of. But what are some other, you know, call it, I don't want to say hidden, but what are some other strategies that you can use from a deployment perspective using the insurance to build up, you know, you mentioned finance debt, things yeah. of that nature. What are some other th things that you can do? Well, let me go back to the first part because real estate, as we all know, is red hot right now. Right. But I want to be clear about something. If you truly have an investment philosophy and you believe in a long term approach on how to maximize your money. Right. And let's say it is with real estate. So there's a lot of folks that have, you know, through their life insurance over the last two or three years, borrowed from their policies, went and bought real estate. And by the way, that real estate that's been purchased for the last two or three years is up anywhere between 10 and 40 percent. Yeah. So yeah. they're crushing it. But let me challenge that for a second. There's going to come a time where the real estate doesn't go higher, but that doesn't mean you can't still use this to buy real estate. What do I mean? At some point, the cap rate may shrink. Mm. Uh, the net cash flow may shrink. But once again, if you have an idea of the four different rates of return that people typically get when they buy real estate, which one is cash flow, yep. the other one is a mortgage interest write-off, the other one is depreciating the asset on your tax return, and last but not least, you buy something today so you could sell it at a higher price much later on in the future, don't lose sight of that. Now, the goal would be as you're purchasing properties, you want to monitor and measure what the, the, the rent roll is going to be and how that could come back into your policy. So always, always stay focused on that even as, as the real estate market begins to flatten out and get a little bit choppy. But to your yeah. other question, what else can you use it for? Well, to David's point, you could finance your own debt. Um, what does that mean? Do you typically finance your car from Toyota or Honda? Well, in that scenario, why not take that same financing mindset, that 500 a month that would go for your car payment, borrow from your policy, pay off the car, but then pay your policy that 500 a month for that three, four, or five years. And what you'll see is you'll recapture that interest that was going somewhere else and have it put back into your world. Whether you buy the car from Toyota or finance it yourself, the physical car itself is going to be worth a lot less. But if you finance the money the right way through your policy, you'll recover that money in your world. Incredible. You know, one of the beautiful problems. They do call me Big Sugar. They do call him Big yep. Sugar. And Big Sugar. No, not Sugar. Big Sugar. There's a difference. There is a difference. I'm yeah, not, no, I'm okay, not Sugar story. Knight. Yeah. Yep. Nah, solid. Yep. Big Sugar. The, the reason why I got the name, let me give a shout out to Charlie Carey. I was on the beach at the beach club four years ago, and I was sitting in my chair, and I had a Kit Kat in one hand because I don't drink. <laughs> And I had a slush in the other hand. He goes, look at all that sugar Big Sugar's having while he's sitting in his Big Sugar chair. Go ahead. <laughs> Got it. Well, thank you for that clarification yes. point, brother. Um, the, the thing that always strikes me, you know, I mean, I have anywhere 50, 60 meetings a week, right? I'm having these conversations every single day. And I always get the same question. Why aren't more people doing this? Why, yeah. you know, why is, why is this the best kept secret that's out there? You know, you know it, and, and the truth is it's not a secret, mm. right? Um, but the second truth is it's not transactional, right? So, you know, for all you folks that are out there, the reason why this isn't marketed and advertised all day long is because it requires a lot of work to go from hello to yes with somebody in this space. You know, you're talking about an initial two, three-hour meeting. Then a nurse has to come out to the house. 
which is a medical. Then there's an underwriting report. Then there's a financial underwriting report. And this takes anywhere between four and six weeks. And as this stuff is happening, um, you know, all this is time away from when you first started. For example, if I were a fiduciary and if I did bring you a uh, managed portfolio proposal, that's one meeting, yeah. maybe two meetings, and that could be done in a week. Yeah. So that's a lot easier for the financial institutions to market and advertise. However, whole life IUL, proper planning, diversification within amongst asset classes, that is a much different time frame. once again, from hello to yes, anywhere between 60 and 90 days, sometimes longer, which requires more time. And quite frankly, there's a lot of people in this business that like to go home at four or five o'clock. I'm not judging. You could be a coach of your kid's team. But at the end of the day, if you really want to excel in this, and for the clients that ask that question, I know we avail ourselves at 8, 9, and 10 o'clock at night. Yep. So that's the reason why. Hopefully that creates some clarity for you in that question. It, it absolutely does. It absolutely does. You know, we're in relatively, I don't want to say unprecedented times because we've seen this before, Rob, but, you know, everything is, everything's costing more today, right? No. You know, is the, the question, you know, is inflation transitory? Is, nope. And, no, I totally agree with that, too. You want to comment to that, actually, Rob? Yeah. Listen, there's 83 uh, ships out in California yeah. that are circling the beach line. Right. And when those ships come in, there's 80,000 truck drivers that they need to hire to bring those goods all across, across the country. Oh, by the way, they need tra trailers and chassis. Mm -hmm. So um, if you're asking me if this is going to be solved before the end of this year of 2021, the answer is no, not at all. How could it be? Um, if if the administration, non-judgment, I'm not even going to get into politics, if they really wanted it to get done, I'm sure the good folks in California uh, the po politicians there, along with uh, Joseph Biden, would be able to get this done. But for some reason, it's being stalled, and you can't blame the Republicans for that one. So at the end of the day, inflation is here. Um, gas is going higher every day. And listen, it's not going to stop anytime soon. With that in mind, <clears throat> has there ever been a better time to be considering cash value life insurance? You know, Dave, that's a listen, and, and, and I know... I don't want that to be a setup question, yeah. right? Because yeah. none of these are. But, and we always talk about this privately. Yeah. yeah. We don't, we're not like, hey, um, add water to this oatmeal and you can have instant breakfast, <laughs> right? right? Yeah. We're not just do everything and buy life insurance. No, we, we want to sit down. We want to spend quality time understanding what your investment philosophy is. Tax-free, taxable, risk, non-risk, leverage, non-leverage, all these different questions. Once again, we're not fiduciaries, and we always say double-check everything we say. But at the end of the day, it really comes down to our philosophy tied into yours. We think the financial baseline or the financial rock starts with life insurance. That conversation is important no matter what age you're at because we could design and strategize the, the actual strategy or the policy based on where you're at in the timeline of the wealth accumulation or the wealth distribution or wherever you're at, single, divorced, male, female, 30s, 40s, and 50s. So um, it's it's never not a good time to buy life insurance. You know what I mean? Yeah. No matter what age you're at, it's about health, of course, yep. and it's about understanding the current products that you own and the differences between what you have and getting a full education. But yes, um, I think everybody should be stepping in on some level that creates that generational wealth it's funny, I was with uh, Dan Geltrude, who's America's yeah. accountant, yeah. and um, he's on Fox News and, and some other news channels often, and we were talking about the pension plans, yeah. and he had a cure for the pension plan, which I never even thought about. Yep. It made so much sense. Yep. 
He said what they should do is all the members that are receiving monies, you know, from a pension should get life insurance. And when they do pass away, a portion of that pays back the pension to keep it perpetually going into the next generation. That was genius. Yeah, I totally, and listen, I completely agree with it. And, um, you know, the, the last question I have for you, Rob, is, is one that has been perpetual in the financial services space uh, since I've been, you know, got into it, you know, 20 some odd years ago, right? This, the fourth quarter, this time of year is the time that I find that people spend the least amount of time thinking about planning, followed by, right, right after the holidays, followed by the most time in a short microcosm thinking about planning accelerating what what's your approach going into the holiday season as you know you're talking with newer prospective clients right um you know getting them prepared for you know getting them prepared for entering into a new year and a planning you know in a planning season right? yeah yeah i think that you know for all the fiduciaries out there and even just an insurance agent that has clients you always want to have a conversation with your client in december uh, you know, your yearly conversations, but even more importantly, the December conversations going into January are important. I don't think momentum is created on January 1st. Right. Personally, here in our company, DNA, uh, we, we like to do the opposite of everybody else. Right. You'll hear that no business gets done in the first two weeks of January. Well, you know, we're going to challenge that status quo thinking because, you know, based on the massive momentum that we built and because of exactly what David was talking about, proper planning and proper strategizing to the next year but you can only do that on a month-to-month -month basis with the right mindset and the right team around you um i think i think it's always important to start planning for january even late november early december probably even sooner so um hopefully that answers your question and uh you know for us here at epic at the end of the day the goal is to help you uh, identify what your objectives are create strategies that sit and fit with your core values once we understand what your investment philosophy is and listen, go ahead and click that link below. If you want to have a uh, conversation with one of the team members, we will certainly reach out to you. There's no obligation. Uh, we are here to offer free looks under the hood and be able to share any and all information that could pertain to you, whether you're an individual, married, a, a, an entrepreneur, a corporate executive, business owner. If you're looking to be educated with proper planning, we're here to be able to share that information with you. That's it for today with Rob Gill and the Epic Financial Strategies Podcast. Be sure to hop to iTunes or Spotify to subscribe and tune into all the podcasts. Also, be sure to follow the Rob Gill YouTube channel and Rob Gill social media channels. We'll see you on the next podcast.